Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join your host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizich, the Abbey Roadie, for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible a Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode is appropriate for all ages. Welcome, everyone, to this um, regular episode of Animation Communication, I guess. Just like regular chill old episode. Me, KP, and Lauren. Say hi, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so this is a more chill, ep- well, one of our chill episodes where we just kind of talk like film theory kind of sort of and fandom theory and kind of like why do people do things on the internet and hopefully helping people that want to do fan fiction to kind of understand the pros and cons of doing fan fiction and you know I'm all, I'm always an advocate that you know it doesn't matter if it's based on fan fiction or just fandom stuff in general whatever gets you to start doing that thing so writing or making videos in my case, or drawing, or whatever the case, because um, your passions kind of can trick you into learning things, and then you're just like, oh man, I've been writing for all this time, even though it's fan fiction, now I'm, now I write the things, so, um, you know, don't let that discourage you as far as, um, from my opinion, but I'm not, I'm not too important in this talk, so anyway, so, um, today we have Monochromatic, um, she's known for her, um, My Little Pony fan fiction specifically shipping rarity and twilight a lot (laughs) um you know that's that's she talks about that a lot on twitter so whatever so hey so i also call her cat and i'm friends with her in real life so i'll call her cat or mono will probably switch um back and forth so you know that's that's my thing so it's the same person just just for the record okay so cat introduce yourself why do you do things uh, hi everybody. Uh, my name is Monochromatic, uh, and as KP said, I am a fan fiction writer. Well, I'm a writer in general, like, and I've been doing. I've been at this since I think I was 14, and started with a uh, Pokemon fan fiction, which was very bad and is still available <laughs> in the like in the deep, deep ends of fanfiction.net. Um, and that's basically it. And I uh, currently move in L.A. because I tried to get here to do screenwriting. And then stuff happened and I'm still figuring out what I'm going to do. But basically, I really love writing. And that is mostly who I am. Yeah, that's the L.A. kind of thing. We move here and then we're just like, oh, shit, now <laughs> what? So, um, you know, like Lauren, I always give Lauren crap because she has the advantage of like growing up in California and me and Kit had to move from other places so it's just like well i guess i'll just do that this one thing until i break into the industry <laughs> hopefully that happens eventually but yeah. you know it's it's fine because all my friends are here anyway whatever I'm trying to think of a way do you want to talk about your pokemon fan fiction as your first like intro to fan fiction like why you originally started writing fan fiction or you just want to do horse talk no i guess i could do that um okay uh well so basically i think um At the time when I was, uh, I started writing it as a kid because I was very much into Pokemon and very much into shipping two characters. 
And I was very much upset, as I do, and I was very much upset that they weren't together. So. Who who were the characters? Uh, Ash and Misty. Like, this oh, is yeah, OG. And so, um, I discovered, you know, fan fiction when I was uh, about 10 to 14. And I was thinking, well, these people are just writing their stories about these characters. I was like, oh, I could do that. So, uh, I started writing my fan fiction. Um, I think, you know, at the time, I, I would write like 500 words and be like, wow, this is even longer than Hemingway, I bet. I wish Hemingway, <laughs> I like, probably Hemingway wishes he wrote as much as me. <laughs> um, it was very bad. Like, like, at the time, it was like, no, it was actually very bad. I was going to be like, no, at the time, it was pretty good for my age, but it was pretty bad. That was pretty good considering I was uh, English second language, so it could be worse. Mm. Uh, and then I kept on writing, and I moved to a lot of different fandoms, uh, Futurama, Ace Attorney. I tried my hand at original fiction, and it's still something that I have and that I, you know, poke at. Um, and then eventually I found a horse fandom, which forced me to grow up a lot because I think there's something really interesting happening with the horse fandom, which I, I we can get into later. Uh-huh. But basically, it's just, you know, you just do it and you write it. And I was very lucky to post online before cringe culture was a thing. <laughs> because, no, because and I definitely honest, and I think this is something that has impacted a lot of young artists. Because back then, you know, nobody was making fun of my terrible writing. And I definitely, now, nowadays I see how people, like, you know, people starting out, if they're really, really bad at the beginning, they can be, you know, there's all of those Twitter things that are like, oh, let's make fun of young artists. Let's make fun of bad fan fiction. And mm. I definitely think that can be super harmful for people starting out. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking about it, I was thinking, man, if that happened to me, if that had happened to me when I was starting out, I might have not continued. That might have been like, actually been like, oh, I don't know if this is fun anymore. Um, so I think it's good that I didn't get that. But uh, basically, that's how I started. And essentially, basically, it's just I really wanted to see stories that I really wanted to know more about these characters, which is, I think, is essentially the reason anybody ever really ends up writing fan fiction. Yeah, you want to mm -hmm. kind of explore explore the characters with your own lens a little bit. Um, how did you start doing horse specifically? Like, because everyone's, um, for those who don't horse, um, you know, there's the like it's it's died down a lot now, but there's this big subculture of you know adults that like horse in My Little Pony, and the show's over now, and everyone else is just chilling, and you know it's it's fine. But yeah, so so Cat, how did you how did you Earned your hooves, I, I guess. There, there's my analogy. Earned my hooves? Jesus yeah, Christ. how did you get the hooves? <laughs> um, how do you write with hooves? <laughs> oh my god, that was actually something really weird for me. Like, like just speaking of hooves, when I was first writing out, starting um, uh, my Little Pony fan section, you have to, like, change everything. So, you know, I would write, yeah, so she used her hands. And people would be like, no, you have to put hooves. And I was like, but that sounds so weird. And now the opposite has happened, which I've been in which I've been writing for horse for so long that I was writing a human thing and wrote hooves, and I was like, "Oh no, it's affected me." <laughs> God, actually, wait, shut up, wait, can I have a, like a small anecdote, and then you can sure, edit it out? sure, sure, yeah. But like, holy cow! So, um, for those who don't know, my job is um, I do 
I do edits for scripts. Well, not edit for scripts, but I do uh, copyright checks for scripts and whatever. And so I was writing a report. And this is like the worst thing. This is one of the worst things that has ever happened to me in my entire life. And for those who don't see My Little Pony, they have... Actually, this is embarrassing. I don't know why I started telling this, but whatever. I'm too in it now. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the show, they have puns for, like, places, right? So you have Manhattan, you have Seidel Arabia. Mm-hmm. And you have to, like, really stick to this when writing fan fiction because if not, people, like, you know... Like, they really they get agree. on your... They get... Yeah, they get on your case about it. So I was doing this show and I was researching names said in... Saudi Arabia. So, I sent out my report, and then I get a text from my boss saying, "Hey, um, just letting you know, I think there's something wrong with your spell check. It kept changing Saudi Arabia to Saddle Arabia, <laughs> and I wanted. And let me tell you, I got that text message, and I had this moment of reckoning, like come to Jesus moment, where I was like, oh, I want to die." And so, oh my god, that was like horrible. Anyway, right, so back to your question. (laughs) Uh, So I got into horse because, um, strangely enough, I had a friend who hated horse. But that was because she was an OG fan. And she had like a lot of bad experiences with uh, the G4 fandom. As you do. So she Mm -hmm. was like, you know, I bet bet the show sucks. And so I, on a principle, hated it because... She's my friend, and, you know, you support your friends. And then one day I was like, oh, and then I found out about the fact that this show has a really adult fan base. And I thought, hey, I want to check this out, you know? I want to see it. Like, I want to see if it's actually bad. So, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. So I watched it, mm-hmm. and I watched the pilot, and then I watched season one, and then I watched season two, and then I was upset that there wasn't more. And I think something that has always struck me about the show, and obviously is the intended, uh, the intended focus, is that it's very, it's a very entertaining show, even for adults. It has like a lot, a lot of its topics are things that are still apply further on in life, which mm-hmm. I think it honestly, is, as everybody who is in the fandom already knows, is probably the appeal of it. Um. And I think specifically what made me want to write about these characters is that the characters themselves are adults. They're yeah. not they're not usually, you know, media not to say that, you know, they're not other media where they're teenagers that, you know, it's not fun to write. But for me especially now that um I was really as a star, as a young adult myself, they're characters that are also young adults to an extent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it felt like interesting exploring stories about them, exploring their dynamics. Uh, and also because the characters are just really well-developed and have really interesting dynamics. And then going back to... Sorry. If I'm talking a lot, you should just shut me up. Anyway. I mean, it's a podcast. That's what you do. You're good. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to, like, talk over you guys. But going back to, like, what I mentioned earlier is that um, I think... And especially talking about fan fiction specifically, you can see that a lot of the... Okay, so not all of it. Some fan fiction really is bad, and you know, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. But the Brony cult, uh, the MLP fandom was, I think, subjected to so much critique and hate and judgment at the beginning. And sometimes it was rightfully earned. Like, I'm not going to say, like, it's been a perfect fandom. Like, as any other fandom, we've had our really bad cringe moments and our really bad, like, yikes moments. 
But from an artistic perspective, a lot of people were like, oh, it's these adults doing stuff about ponies and girls, which made the fandom want people to take it seriously. And by wanting, and this is my theory, by wanting people to take the fandom seriously, all of the projects were then taken incredibly seriously. Mm -hmm. So, and it's something that I see a lot, for example, uh, in film fiction, which is where, which is like the fanfiction.net, of course, I guess. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of like, oh, there's contests to get better. There's a lot of editing stuff done. Like everybody tries to get editors. Everybody's constantly trying to critique each other. There's a lot of a culture to, oh, no, this is actually serious. This is actually professional. And especially, and even the um, the medium itself, uh, the website itself isn't, arch- isn't like designed like Archive of Our Own or fanfiction.net, which is literally just an archive. It's a platform where people, where authors can communicate with their readers, where readers are encouraged to comment. So I think it's like, it's a really, really different experience. And it's one that basically forces you to grow because it's just an incredibly active community. Um, Would you say that it's pretty active even now, even after like almost a year of Dead Horse? No. um, Yes and no. Because not really in readership. That has like died down a lot. Mm -hmm. But still every day, like 20 to 30 new fan fictions get posted. Yeah, so, fair. so it's in. So it's. It can be hard as a writer, as a as a writer now, especially if you don't have already like an established fan base, quote unquote. But it still is a very active community. And, okay. Oh, sorry. Go. No, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, that that does make sense because um, I'm just gonna go on a small tangent to the fact that like when um, and you probably get this too, cat um. But people will find you at conventions, horse or otherwise, horse themed conventions or otherwise, and be like, hey, I want to do what you do. How do I do it? And so, like, I outline, like, you need to get an editing program, you get a decent microphone, you need to, like, learn how to edit. Because for those who um, have been watching me since I've been, like, baby, baby KP with, like, 5,000 subscribers or something like that, I edited my own videos for, like, the first six months. Um, you know, that's kind of how, how you do because people need to see that, you know, see that you can do shit yourself first before they're like, oh, maybe I should, you know, help or, you know, I'm interested in this because, you know, as a producer, like you want to like people who want to donate their time for you. You know, it's it's nice when you can get shit done because there's been so many like even just horse projects, but so many fandom projects because they're not funded because they're fan projects. Like, the creators have all these big ambitions for them, and it's going to be fully animated, like, a whole, like, feature fully animated, but it's a fan project. And then they just don't get done. And then it's, like, the, the contributors get frustrated because, like, I spent all this time on this thing, and the, and the leader just doesn't have the resources. They're just not on it. And, like, I always try to, like, I quote-unquote pride myself, knock on wood. I'm, I'm not important, but I pride myself on the fact that I'm willing to, I'm, like, every project that I finish, even the projects that I don't like, um, like, the, like that old radio play that I, that I don't like to think about right now, I still got it done. So, um, but as far as, you know, accessibility, writing is, you just have to have a keyboard, essentially, and you have to kind of learn about tropes and, like, just general writing stuff, like, versus video editing versus drawing, there's a little bit more of a money investment because you have to pay for the programs. If you're using a paid program like the Adobe Suite, you have to pay for the microphone. You know, you have to get a decent enough computer to handle the software. 
Um, so I think it's a good accessible tool for people that just want to do something creative. And I always tell people in CAD or Lauren, you can jump in um, whenever, but I always tell people like start small, write, do something that is decently, um, okay, um, do something that is decently, you know, easy to do and prove to I guess the public quote unquote that you can do it because then I think people will take you more seriously as a creator, whether you're doing fan projects or you're not is like, you can actually, you know, finish it. And then um, I'm sure me and Kat can go on rants about how like I dabble in reading fan fiction every like once in a blue moon, but like, like getting obsessed with a fan fiction that never gets done and it makes <laughs> everyone sad. So <laughs> I think also a big thing is also, like, what's your motivation? Because mm -hmm. for writing, I do want to say that, like, at least at the beginning, it's incredibly important not to write for other people. Um, but that's always because that's always been how, especially when I started writing, that was my motivation. It was like, I don't care if anybody reads this. I'm going to mm -hmm. do this because I want to do it. And... It is interesting, like, eventually you have to decide, okay, am I doing this because it's a hobby? Which is absolutely fine, you know? And some people are just like, yeah, I just want this to be my fun thing, and that is absolutely an escape. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, that is absolutely great. Uh, I can't even talk. Anyway, that's good. But when's the line when you're like, oh, hey, actually, I want to do this professionally. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think this is something that I wanted to help me. And that's, I think, where fan fiction be starts to be... Uh, a complicated issue yeah um and i'll just kind of jump in and say um same thing with um with with videos and youtubers there's even more of a sense because um you know in this day and age like youtubers are so accessible as far as just like having a big wide audience and if you can reach if you can reach a, an audience or you can find an angle and grow your audience that way there's so many people and so many like kids not like kids like 15 16 year olds like i say kids as an old like 25 year old or whatever because we're all old farts but anyway um you know they'll 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 find like people like cat and i at conventions they'll be like i want to do it because i want to be famous i'm just like no you can't like like that's such a just a it's it just such a vain motivation and same thing with my whole feeling of like don't work for exposure like um do it like find another reason you're doing it because if you don't get if you don't reach those goals you know if you don't get a million views if you don't you know get some sort of commission or compensation as a side goal of doing what you're doing fan fiction wise or whatever wise then you're gonna get really disappointed in yourself and it's not really your fault if you don't know what you're doing um, yeah and especially for fan fiction i think because making it, I feel like unless you were at the in the fandom when it's at its peak, or unless actually unless it's a very small fandom, in which case you know actually but like I've seen firsthand and actually experienced it myself how toxic the idea that oh I'm doing this for fame can be, mm -hmm. or I'm doing this for popularity, and not to say you know you know sometimes you do want it you have to do stuff like because you need more followers and that's you know. It's fair, but it is like a balance you have to strike. Yeah, and I always kind of approach it like a like you know, business 
like having a business mind that serves their creativity as a backdrop. So like I'm trying to do a lot of collaborations right now to help with my analytics, um, you know, to, to, to meet other YouTubers that are doing because doing what I'm doing, because I basically have to re reintroduce myself to people that are just consuming animation critique and criticism and original projects and that, that kind of thing, which is fine. And I always go in um, with Glab saying, hey, you know, like, realistically, your analytics are better than mine. So, like, similar thing that we did with Cell, um, Cell Specs and the Pixar, big Pixar video is like, hey, the team will edit it. Um, we'll put part of it on, like, we'll do part one on your channel, part one on my channel. And we'll tell, tell everyone to just subscribe in the beginning. And, you know, if that's a fair trade-off for you like you don't have to edit it you know you can just record it and be done you know that's a fair trade-off to me you know and you're helping me and I'm helping you and everyone kind of wins and you know people are rediscovering my work because um because of stuff like that and I'm trying to kind of push more collaborations but you know it's also because I want to make friends because I want to get out of my comfort zone and work with someone that you know uh has a different way of doing it than I do and I feel like you know, as long as you're leading with um, genuineness, you know, but having yeah. kind of a business mind as far as business hive mind as far as how it goes. And like, um, I think that's kind of the best way to do it and just kind of being honest with the other person, because I think a lot of my fear and like a lot of people's fear is taking advantage of someone else, like whether they're pre-reading, whether they're, you know, whatever the market is and you know, you have to sit, you have to kind of just be direct and outline those boundaries and saying like, hey, you know, is this fair to you? Like, let us, let me know if there's something else we can do. I just want to make sure that you're getting something out of this too. Like, you know, and you have to trust the other person to be honest with you, essentially, because, you know, at the end of the day, if they're not telling you something that they feel, if they don't feel comfortable with themselves to do that, then that's kind of not your fault. So yeah. um, that's kind of how I take the volunteer work is just kind of finding, like, blurring the lines between business and um, business and, and, and fun by, you know, like doing, like, you know, I make money at conventions now and I get booked for, like, but it's all, like, my own, like, artwork, you know, my own commissions that I'm selling at conventions and anything I'm, ha I'm, I'm kind of going on a rant and we'll talk to, we'll, God, I'll get back to you in a second, I promise. Um, <laughs> But, you know, like, you know, like, and, but if there's any posters that I've had at conventions, I'll pay my, my team members and saying, hey, you know, once this starts making money, I'll just pay you for the artwork because I'm making money on this too. And, you know, like kind of finding that balance and I'm, you know, to, to the disdain of like everyone I've ever known being like, why don't you monetize? I'm just like, because I like at the end of the day, this is about the creative process and I'm afraid monetization will overcomplicate that to the point where it's not a good outlet for me and yeah you know, it's, and you know it gets it gets complicated but you know I'm kind of slowly like finding the middle ground between making it a business and also kind of having you know a supportive team environment where people just want to contribute to a larger whole which I think is really really good um god god bless yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else want to jump into that point before we get back to talking more about fan fiction? Well, yeah, it's like when I think about the early days of 
of putting in well at least to me early days were like um i mean back in the day i used to write like beatles fan fiction and stuff yeah ha, ha. as if that was a surprise <laughs> to anybody um but it was like uh did, did yeah, you was, ship some uh, of the beatles with each other no i didn't write that i just oh, wrote okay. like what if situations oh, I, I just got on. your username oh my god okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's go. right. She can be taught. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was like it was just like writing stories about different adventures and them meeting different people, different characters, and stuff like that. It was really more or less that. Um, but with um, yeah, it was kind of like to Cat's point of this is no longer like this is more cringe culture days rather than it was in the early days like when i was writing that stuff was like 2008 i think 2008 2009 when i was writing that kind of stuff um and i can look back on it and be like oh that was bad (laughs) but at least i did it and i did have like because that community was they were we were small but supportive and yeah we were just like delving into like writing what ifs about historical people (laughs) (laughs) but um but it was uh but yeah, it, and but in the end, we all did it because we wanted to. It wasn't because we were looking for any gain out of it. We really just had stories we wanted to tell. And so, it, um, yeah, it is all a matter of finding that balance between making it a business and making it, when you get down to that point, making it a business versus uh, protecting the, the the creative process. And um, it's just, yeah, I, I I love seeing where a lot of fandoms go with their stuff because I, I appreciate seeing the creative stuff that comes out of there um and i know it sounds like a little bit rambly here but um (laughs) no it's not i mean you have a point i think honestly like like seeing the passion that some fans have is just so like it's like by being passionate you make other people passionate Mm -hmm. yeah and you make other people feel comfortable about being passionate too exactly it's a thing Especially when they go into, like, when they share ideas that you're like, shoot, I never would have thought of it like that. And then mm-hmm. it's like, you know, even if you, even if it's an idea where you're like, I don't really run with this, but I, it, it's, it, I can't help but be attracted to the passion behind it. Like, I can tell that thought and care was put into this, you know? So it was like, yeah. So it's, it's that kind of stuff where, you know, uh, that's why there were so many, uh, there was at one point, um, uh, and it's still kind of, it's kind of like a dormant fandom right now, but it was when the Beatles and Pokemon at one point had <laughs> had a fused <laughs> fandom. Oh uh, and and it was actually, it actually, it was like, it kind of was one of those things that exploded as like a little mini fandom and it, it grew really like white hot and then it just like, and then it like kind of like fizzled out. But, mm. um, but it was like the Beatlemon. If you look up, there's, plenty of artwork out there um and the thing is there were a lot of fan fictions there too and there were so many people from both fandoms that weren't sure what to make of the whole thing to begin with but then they're like you know what there's some really cool adventures going on here there are they're introducing some really interesting characters i want to see where it goes and basically people before before anybody knew it people were making ocs to go into those little storylines and were being and so people were like hey can you put my oc in the story i'll make you like illustrations for the stories if you write and so it was literally <laughs> starting all these collaborative processes of like illustrators and and authors and all of these people <laughs> working really together cool. to make like full stories and it's a shame because some of them were like 
like I think one went to like 50 chapters or something like that some crazy some crazy amount that uh and they were like you know they're if each chapter was broken out it would almost be like having three chapters in one chapter that like how long they they would go um and I think some of the authors like pulled off of DeviantArt so you can't find them anymore but um but yeah, I just like, I love the collaborative process of all those things and sharing these different kinds of ideas because uh, it's, it's, that's creative. Some of the ideas are good and some of the ideas aren't so good, but you can't help but love the passion behind it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, there was a, I remember one time I was having a conversation with a friend who, uh, just quickly going back to film fiction, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because it is a social media, it can create a pretty toxic culture of like, oh, I'm not as popular as so-and-so or I'm not, a, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I was talking with a friend who was, like, really feeling, you know, oh, it's just, I'm having a hard time writing, and, like, and, uh, I don't know, uh, what was my point? Wait, I know my point. I just, I don't know how to word it. Sorry, I'm a good writer. Anyway, so basically, <laughs> and so, uh, I remember telling them that, like, one of the things that I keep in mind was, like, you, like, your goal as a writer, at least for me, is, I want to write like that one person who has only 10 readers and it's at chapter 200 of their half a million long, whatever it you, and every chapter for their 10 readers, they're like, hey guys, here's the new chapter. I'm so excited. Like, that's mm-hmm. the person you should strive to be. Like, that person who's like, ex- you got, like, you have to be excited about your work. Because by being excited about it, other people will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. It's like going back to that point of like, don't do it for the popularity. Do it because you want to do it. Don't feel like you have to, you're going into it to get fame out of it, popularity, upvotes, whatever you're using to like post your work. It's it or kudos or anything like that. It's like if you get it, if it's like if you build it with passion, it's almost like the if you will build if you build it, they will come kind of thing. Yeah. Where as long as you do it and you love that you do it, then then the people people will be gravitating towards your passion for it. So and the right people will come come for that. So um yeah, it's it's just a matter of trying it. But yeah, it's so unfortunate when there's so many toxic pockets of internet culture that stifle that creativity. Yeah. And... Exactly. And especially towards fan fiction, there's an entire stigma. Although that would be like another topic. topic. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate, especially when it can be such a great teacher. Mm-hmm. As KP was saying, like with editing and stuff. Uh, and I remember um, when I was in college, uh, and I was just starting out in the MLP fandom. I had a friend who was very, very stoutly against, like, oh, no, fan fiction is bad. It's not original, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she was, on- and we were both writers, and she was, I only do original stuff only. And I was like, okay. I hate people like that. And well, the thing is, like, nowadays, like, I kept posting my fan fiction, and she posted her stuff online. And the reality is, like, she only got, like, 20, 30 views while I was getting, like, a lot of, you know, a lot of people reading me, a lot of people commenting and forcing me to grow, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. one of the bigger, the best things about fan fiction is that it is the, it is a fantastic training ground. 
And especially for, like, if you want to get into the industry of animation and, like, screenwriting, it literally, like, to an extent, you could say that every episode of a show is fanfiction of the pilot. Like, mm-hmm. it is. Legitimately. And even, even, in, even in, the, in the industry, you have um, these things called spec scripts. And a spec script is literally, like, they go to you, like, okay, write an episode of this show. And what is that? That's fan fiction. But, like, mm-hmm. it's script form. So there's just a lot of things that you can, like, um, learn from it. And especially, and then the, sorry, not I'm going to interramble. <laughs> but, like, it's even the original, the original thing, because that's always, like, the biggest critique of fan fiction. It's like, oh, but this isn't original. And my thing is, like, okay, but do you know, have you seen how the fandom reacts? Like, if you're not good at this, they will destroy you. Like, if mm-hmm. so-and-so is out of character, that you will know, and they will be angry about it. So, not only do you... Obviously, you know, I think there's... Obviously, original work is incredibly original, because it's, it's all very creative. But with fan fiction, you have to not only understand the, word, the world and the characters, you have to also bring something new to the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So, that takes a lot, like... That in itself is a huge amount of creativity because you have to A, understand the world, A, understand the characters, A, understand the world building, A, know how to world build in a way, know how to make something new, but in a way that makes sense in the context of the show. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of things that, you know, that are just like really interesting. And it's a shame that it is, it is so frowned upon. And so, well, I don't know if still, but kind of. Mm-hmm. And especially also with in my life i just had a really good point especially (laughs) especially when um oh my god well i'll probably remember it later but yeah it is a really good training ground and um god damn it sorry can i swear here sorry yeah you can swear anyway um but it's just a really good training ground and i think that you know it's a shame that so many people um treat it like it's you know bad when yeah. you know a lot of these are just being creative and that's fine and it's like it shouldn't be something that's mocked or shouldn't be something that's like and it and especially and this is like especially of all of the fan mediums i always feel like it's the one that's like oh fan fiction when it takes a lot of effort to write oh yeah so it's like, it's like... sorry you go yeah, no, I was going to say, like, uh, multiple chapters of something isn't exactly easy to write, especially consistently, and if you have a story and you're going to keep going with it, rather than, like, like one-offs are one thing, is you get the story done, you know, done quicker, it's almost episodic, but if you have, like, an l- ongoing story that you keep working on, yeah, that's not easy, by any means. It's not, and it's, um... And, you know, and having to update quickly and having to, like, you know, and, and I think people people really take for granted. Yeah, basically, they take it for, as they do, like, a lot of art, like, mediums, like, fan art and everything, they take for granted that this is hard. Mm-hmm. And these people are mostly, the majority are doing it for free. They could just not do it and you wouldn't get this content, but they're doing it and... Oh, wait, okay, I remember my point. And also... <laughs> And also, a fascinating thing about fan fiction that I love is that it is not restricted. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, like, it's not, you know, there's no publishers being like, oh, no, you know, you can't go through the storyline because, oh, or, oh, no, this is, you have to cut this here because it's too long. 
sure, some of those restrictions are made in place to improve the story. But a lot of times, because there's no, like, there's no society restrictions, there's no anything, fan fiction can be incredibly creative because there's nobody there to say, no, you can't do that. Exactly. And and I remember, like, in fact, uh, one of my bigger stories um, has artwork every chapter. And I remember it started because one time I was like, man, I wish I could do that. And then I was thinking, wait a second. Who says I can't? Why can't I do that? Or like, or, um, or actually, no, this is, this is what actually would change my mind was, um, there's this book I read, I read, uh, in high school called The Book Thief. By oh yeah, Martha I love the book. Thief. It's a fantastic book. And I remember reading it. And so the entire conceit of the book is that it is narrated by death. Mm. So when I read it, I was like, you can do that? <laughs> like, like the narrator can be like a character, and he can be like, and have his have his like opinions on the story, and I was like, wow, mind blown. And then half as you start the book, suddenly there were these things where death would be like, okay, every, everybody, we're pausing now so that I can like bullet point layout points for you, and then you would just bullet point layout points, and I was like, what? I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> And that's something, you know, that I think fanfiction does, where fanfiction is like, I'm just going to do it because who's going to say no? My publisher? I don't have a publisher. <laughs> so I just think that's, I don't know. I just like, I think it's like, it's great. And it's, you know, you have all of these people um, commenting and helping each other. It's like, I think it's a really great community. And as I said, for writers, it's a really good training ground. Yeah, I think the key from what I'm hearing is that people just have to understand that if they're new, they're not going to know everything and they have to be open to the criticism. Just, you know, understand what is constructive criticism and what is just someone being an asshole. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's very true. Yeah. So, like, you know, if someone's trying to help you and critique you and say, hey, you know, I really like this character that or how you you wrote this character, but, you know it went on too long or there's some things you can cut out that didn't really add anything to the plot, you know, those kind of things. Then, um, versus someone just saying, fuck you, how dare you write this character this way? And, you know, then you just ignore those people because those people are just looking essentially for self-validation, like understanding a character from a certain lens and just telling, like yelling at people, which, I mean, to be fair, sometimes I do, but yelling yelling at people saying this is the way they have to be written because I say so. So, um, you know, uh, it's, you know, I think, and that's kind of a struggle for young creators in general or people who want to start out doing something creative on the internet is they they don't understand that, you know, not everyone's going to like your shit, yo. And, um, but finding the people that are, care that you are doing what you're doing and want to help you improve, I think reaching out to those people and kind of having a dialogue with them, you know, picking their brain a little bit about what, um, my dog is outside and he's making noise. So I'm trying to like record when he's quiet, but anyway, um, um, yeah, finding those people and kind of picking their brain as far as how to improve, but you know, you have to, that has just has to be a mindset where you just say, Hey, I'm new. I'm not perfect. These people are giving me points about improving my craft and um you don't obviously you don't have to listen to everyone's creative criticism because everyone has different opinions 
But the fact mm-hmm. is just being open to that. And I think a lot of new people are just like, I'm going to go and submit my art on DeviantArt and be famous. And then um, when they don't, when that doesn't happen or people are critiquing their shit, then it's just like, oh man, why did I put stuff on the internet? Like you have to kind of be ready for yeah that kind of I- stuff too. It also feels like depends like a lot of your on your motivation because there are probably people out there who are like I don't care if this is bad if it's how I want it and you know that's fine that's completely fine, but I think especially if you're somebody like really speaking directly to people who oh I want to be better at this, um it's always like the idea that you know, obviously as KP said you know finding people who are actually genuinely wanting to help, and honestly even even sometimes people who are rude sometimes they do have valuable things to say. Um, like there's some critique because some critique can be harsh as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially I remember like at the beginning I was like I will admit it I was very bad at taking critique. It was like I was like, oh, how dare you? And it would like hit me really hard. But yeah. ultimately you have to like try to find people and have the idea that the reason they're telling you this is because they want to they love the story so much they want it to be better. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. And that does bring a point, um, uh, a quote I really lo- loved from, I think it was Neil Gaiman, I'm 90% sure it was from him. But, um, and it's something I remember a lot because I have an editor who I love dearly, but we clash a lot. And I think the quote was essentially something like, if somebody tells you there's something wrong, they're usually right. If they tell you how to fix it, they're usually wrong. Mm. So that's the idea, like, and at least how I approach a lot of criticism is, like, because sometimes I'll have, like, my editor will point out, hey, I don't get this part, or I don't understand, or I feel this and this and this, and I, part of me wants to be like, you're wrong, it's perfect. But the thing is, like, it's very likely that if this person thought that was wrong, it's very likely that there will be other people who have the same issue. Mm-hmm. So, and... I really enjoy as a creative, even though at the moment I'm frustrated, but then I'm like, hey, that was fun. Like, figuring out how to solve their issue, but while keeping it to my creative vision, I think is very important, and I think that's a common uh, trap that people can fall into when they get editors, and and, like, and actually, like, the opposite of taking advice, like, there's the, there's a side of, like, I'm not taking critique, and then there's a side of, like, everything you tell me, I'm just gonna do it. Instead of, like, actually sitting down and thinking, like, okay, let me see what you're doing, see what you're saying, and how do I adapt it to my style? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to be that person that's, like, even though I do it. But I genuinely think that my editors are really good. It's not because I'm being, like, <laughs> I'm just going to say yes to everything because I suck. It's because, like, oh, they're good. But you don't want to be somebody who, like, who you lose your style because you're trying to be something else be someone else because you you fully you you know you believe that the editor is an editor so clearly he must be right Mm. i'm totally not projecting here but um (laughs) so i think you know it's important to always preserve your artistic style and always you know craft it in the sense that like oh i want this to be better because i want the stories that i'm telling to be better does that make sense Yeah. yeah i think it makes sense okay um, I think let's let's move on to some some of your works that I've I've read one whole fan fiction that Cat has written. Uh, will make to make me feel better, Cat. You don't watch my videos, right? Uh, I do. 
You do? But not all of them, but I've watched a few. So it's okay. We're fair. We're fair. Okay. We're like, we're, yeah. Okay. So fair. Okay, cool. I feel, I still feel kind of bad though, though, but well, Kat is my pre-reader now for my, for my own script. So she kind of has to ro- watch my videos versus like, I'm just like, oh, Kat does things on, on, on stuff. And you know, I, I get it, I guess. So, um, like part of my, when, when I was first kind of discovering her work, a part, part of me was just like, I don't get, I don't get it. Like why rarity in Twilight versus of all the characters you can ship. And like, um, our mutual friend Nick had to explain that, like, it was a kind of a classist, classic, classist, there, words, a classic kind of, um, parallel where rarity is really obsessed with upper class and Twilight is just kind of this bookish nerd who like is in the upper class and eventually becomes a princess and there's this kind of correlation there and I'm like oh that that kind of makes sense I kind of get it so one like why don't you articulate why 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 you like rarity twilight why you think they're good <laughs> dynamic shipping people courses and um you know like I know rarity's like like the discord to your KP, so why don't you elaborate about that? Like, why those two, and what kind of challenges do they present um, writing them romantically or otherwise? Well, so for me, a lot of... Um, Abby, I'm assuming you're also a pony fan. So. <laughs> yes. Okay, so for me... She has um, a pony avatar. I know, I know, I just want to make sure. <laughs> uh, but for me, like, so I'm going to talk way more than just shipping, because for me, the fascination, well, the interest with these characters isn't about the shipping but it's about their relationship as characters okay that's fair and i'm informed a lot by where i grew up and uh for those who don't know i am actually mexican i well, i'm mexican-american but i grew up in mexico until i moved until three years ago actually. yeah wow like, like almost three years ago geez she's like a secret mexican because like cat looks really white so people would not yeah. just assume that she's Mexican, so I'm just waiting for the opportunity that we go out in public somewhere, and then someone's talking in Spanish and assume that we're just two white women who don't know what they're talking about, and Kat's gonna, like, go in and be like, and be like, hey, I heard that thing that you said in Spanish. Guess what? I speak Spanish, too. Fuck you. But, like, say it in Spanish, and I'm just like, <laughs> yay, I contributed to that. So I'm kind of waiting for that moment. But, you know, um, anyway, continue. Uh, well, basically, so in Mexico, uh, at least where I grew up, this is not, obviously, this is my personal experience. It's not, doesn't apply to everybody in Mexico. But in Mexico City, there is a very, very stark uh, social class disparity. And even if you look at our telenovelas, it's like literally that. Literally, it's like, oh, the poor, young, um, lower class hacienda worker falls in love with the beautiful higher class uh, lady and it's a star crust thing and it's like all of that. And I was, um, when I, uh, so again, basically that's very strong in Mexico and I was raised with that mentality. And so when I saw, and for me, the moment where it clicked for me was actually the Sweden Elite episode. Because in Mexico, there's absolutely, like, the idea that you will absolutely be judged by who you hang out with. That is a Mm. thing that happens there. And it can absolutely dictate who your friends are, what opportunities you get. So I remember when I saw Sweden Elite, 
and Rarity is like, you know, trying to get it, you know, to like to hang out with these people. For me, I was like, oh my god, that makes sense because if she doesn't get this, she won't get better opportunities. And like the film industry. Well, I, well, the, exactly. That's that's the point I'm going to get to. And then the thing oh, is, okay. And then, and I remember thinking, you know, and I remember, and then there, when you get to the part in this episode where, so, so basically, for context for people who haven't seen this episode, essentially, Rarity is goes to like the heist, fancy, fancy city of the Equestria, and she starts talking with like these upper class people and like making connections networking because that is what she's doing she's networking and she's a she's a designer she has to do it she has a business she has to build and i think a lot of people don't realize don't really see it as that they don't realize like they don't they aren't thinking that she's a business person trying to make connections so her she can sell anyway (laughs) but so she has all of these things and then um the the drama of the episode is that her friends, she misses Twilight's birthday party because it's in Ponyville, and then Twilight's like, well, just take the party to you. And they set the party the same day that this uh, important event is happening with the upper class. And Rarity keeps switching back and forth between the parties because she wants to attend both. And then you find out that she's a little bit, she's embarrassed of where she comes from. And that the thing is, again, in Mexico, that is all of those things were reasonable and understandable because that is how society and it's terrible that society is like that but that is how it is Mm. and i remembered something that struck me is like eventually her her friends find out that she's been going to both parties and twilight who is the person with the who has a birthday party you know she's you know you expect her to be like what the hell rarity why are you why did you ditch my why were you trying to ditch my party to come to this one to this one and then Twilight says, Rarity, that's so smart of you. You're networking. And I was like, oh my god, Twilight gets it! (gasps) And that immediately made me think, like, oh, wait a second, of course she would get it. She's from Canterlot. And I realized that it's very interesting that Twilight is somebody who is from that world, but doesn't really fit in. And Rarity is somebody who isn't from that world, but understands it perfectly. Mm. So I think that to their relationship adds a layer that I don't think they could really share with anybody else from the group. And especially because I'm somebody who really absolutely believes that how you were brought up affects how you act and how you think. Mm-hmm. And Rarity understands perfectly how high society works, how all of that works. And especially then later Todd becomes a princess and like, I'm still pissed off we didn't get a Princess Diaries episode with Rarity and Twilight, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> we had nine seasons, damn it. And yeah. We didn't get it. <laughs> no, you know what's the worst part is apparently, like, when everything was leaked and some plots and offices were leaked, they were they had an idea for it and they just never did it, so I was even more mad. Yeah. But I th- I th- oh, sorry, go. I, I said, um, you know, I might, like, there might be another guest that, um, Potentially is a is a show writer, so um, I think it'd be interesting to have the both of you because he's um, you I mean you can probably guess who it is by my tweets, but I'll just keep it uh, on the DL because you know I haven't approached this person yet. But um, he's talked about before how you know, like in earlier seasons, um, the right like all the writers were assigned scripts and like 
you know, the showrunner, which would be either Megan McCarthy or Emma Larson, depending on the season, and or, or Nicole uh, Dublock. I always forget. I always, like, mispronounce her name. But um, depending who the head writer for the season is would, like, do the important, like, season opener and closer episodes and stuff like that. But he would talk about how, you know, at first, like, the writers got to choose what episodes they were assigned based on, like, you know, the, the, the premises. And so the writers were kind of excited about, you know, writing their episode because they had, you know, some stake in, like, what happened and, like, had preferences writing the characters and that kind of thing. But, like, near the ninth season, people just got assigned shit. And um, I think that helped, I think that made the quality of, like, each individual episode kind of not as good sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes because, like, you know, if the writer is just kind of like, oh, I have to write this stupid episode where, like, Applejack learns the same thing she learned, like, three seasons ago or whatever, something repetitive, something, you know, that talks down to the audience because of its simplicity, you know, it's going to turn out exactly how you think it's going to turn out, where, the, yeah. where us as the audience are just like, okay, that was stupid, and the writer is just like, well, gotta get paid, you know, and um, it, it, it follows the same story beats as everything else because... You know, there's no, there's no stake in it, like, and I think a lot of that has to do with the premise itself, and, like, choosing really oversimplified premises is annoying, but also, like, the writing behind it, you know, and I think, I mean, obviously, fan fiction doesn't have this problem, because the writer gets to choose, like, what they want to write about, like, in the span of the universe, versus just, like, you have these two characters, they go on an adventure, go write it, here's your, here's your money. (laughs) So, yeah, so I think there's, you know, there's just, I don't know, I think it's a very interesting dynamic that I recognize I really like because of also, like, where I grew up and how I grew up and how I think about the world. But also, again, the industry. If you look at the, like, especially the fashion industry, the, the and especially the movie industry, it is, in a lot of ways, who you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I would like to sit here and be like, talent alone will get you there. And obviously you need talent because... Sure, you can know the right people, but if you don't have the talent, then you're not going to do the good stuff. Well, not talent, but if you don't have the effort and the, like, knowledge and learning and whatever. But it is a lot about networking, and it is a lot about being, you know, a business. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, but at this point, I would start devolving into my, like, rarity defense speech. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I um, like how you already... You- like you already have like your standard rarity defense speech. <laughs> oh my god, I would like I'll like go to bat for rarity every day. In this um, essay, I will That's your life, right? No, legitimately, legitimately, I would like I've been trying to get cons to let me to accept my on rarity panel so I can just defend rarity for an hour in front of a state like crowd of 100 people as I like furiously ramble about why she's the best character ever. <laughs> but so I think and honestly and and that's what I really like about fan fiction is that it takes deeper looks at characters. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, uh, not to say that my perspective on these characters is the only right one because, you know, there's some people who see look at Rarity and all they think is like, oh, she's a social climber. And they're not wrong. I mean, they're wrong. But they're also not wrong. Uh, <laughs> that's their perspective. So I think, and I think fan fiction especially, like, really brings a lot of that. Like, all of these different interpretations. And, I don't know, I just think it's, like... But, yeah, I basically, I think that Rarity and Twilight have a really interesting dynamic because they're both on a level that I don't think they can be with others in that group. 
because of Twilight specifically because of where she was brought up and Rarity specifically because of her interests and who her clients are. And her clients, especially if you look at it in the sense of the show, normal ponies are not going to be buying her clothes, really. It's the upper class that's going to be buying the clothes. It's like the, the city people in Manhattan. So she has to cater to them. She has to understand how their world works. She has to understand how to navigate it. And I think it would be really interesting if she probably helped, she probably helps Twilight how to navigate that world, how to like understand it because Twilight lived in it, but she didn't really care about it. So I think that has a lot of um, potential for really interesting stories. Yeah, that's neat. I like, okay. Um, I'm trying to think of like um, another thing, but like, okay. So I guess talk about, talk about the things that people like you for. So, no, but like, um, so talk, so, so Lauren and for the people that are listening, um, so, Mono has this whole huge, like, novel-sized Rodian Twilight fiction, which, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what you're most well-known for. So, um... Uh, yes, uh, my AU, right, yeah. Um, so I have this story uh, called The Enchanted Library, which is actually about mental health, which is something I talk, I really try to write a lot about. Um, and the reason people... Well, I don't know why people like it. I think they just like it because I, I write. Like, I guess because it's well-written. Um, but also because uh, um, it was a story that I wrote while I was in a kind of a bad relationship. Uh, and I had, like, mentally abusive stuff going on. Mm. And it's an AU where the conceit of it is that um, a thousand define, years ago. Define an AU in case people don't oh, know. Oh, so an AU is an alternate universe. So essentially it's like, hey, I like Harry Potter. But what if it was in space? And then you write Harry Potter in space. Uh, right. So this uh, story, the AU of it was, um, the conceit of it was that a thousand years ago, all four princesses, aka Twilight, Cadence, and Celestia Luna, were trapped during, in different parts of Equestria by Discord. And a thousand years later, Rarity stumbled onto Twilight's library because she's trapped in an underground library and basically becomes a story of freeing her and as you go on with the story, you realize that there's a lot more, and it's like actually a story about mental abuse and about uh, mental health. And I think that's probably why people. I, I think it's like, I, it's just it's it's just it's weird for me because I can't really say why people like it. There's a lot of things. yeah, how you know, like tell me why you people like what you do, and I'm like <laughs> I don't know, I just do things, and people like tell me they like it, I guess. But I will so. say, like, a comment that I've gotten a lot is that my stories are very authentic. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, like, and going back to what we were talking about, being passionate about what you write, is I'm just very passionate about what I like, and I'm very authentic of what I really like to read. And I really like to write, you know, uh, I really like to write, I guess, introspective but positive stories. And, in fact, one of my uh, stories that I got a there's this award on fan fiction called the RCL, which is where like this group basically says, "Hey, we like the story, so we're gonna show it to we're gonna make everybody in this website have it on their newsfeed for one day." Mm-hmm. And I remember I wrote a story that was set in the Equestria Girls universe, where Pinkie Pie is a volunteer at a suicide hotline center, 
And because I thought it was really interesting for me to think of like, and well, at the time I was really depressed and I myself was suicidal. And I realized that a lot of the stories that I read about depression were sad and they were about being sad, which is fine. That's how some people cope. Hmm. But I was like, no, I need something to pick me up. I need something to understand. And I, spe- I specifically use writing as a way of understanding emotions and processing emotions. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, okay. And then I remember I was like, and like, I was like sitting there like, how do you even call a suicide hotline? And then I thought, oh my God, that must be a terrible, that must be like a really hard job. Who's helping the people who are doing suicide hotlines? Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that would be actually interesting. So I wrote this story where Pinkie Pie is, as I said, volunteering at a suicide hotline center. But I wrote it from the perspective where she doesn't understand suicide. Mm. And so she's like, she and like, and she's trying to help. But she herself isn't depressed. So it like forced me to like, be kind to myself. Because I was writing it from the perspective of somebody who is like, genuinely cares about other people. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think, you know, so basically a lot of my stories talk about those things and devolve into those subjects, right? So, like, for example, my story about the Enchanted Library, at the end of it is, like, there's this huge moment where a character who, like, is the victim of mental abuse is, like, completely overcome by it. And the fact that she gets over it, um, and obviously by the end of the story, she sort of, like, overcomes it. And I remember I got a comment from somebody saying, hey... I went through a very horrible mental abusive relationship and this story was really hard to read, but thank you because it helped me cope and it Mm -hmm. helped me process it. And I think that's really some of the beauty of writing that I like. And I think, I think genuinely that's if I had to define why people read what I write is because of that. Uh, Because there's a very authenticity to it, I feel, or at least I try for it to have. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, in reality, oh, go ahead. You want to? Uh, oh, I was going to say, when it comes from a real place, you can tell. When it comes from something that is true to you and true to your emotions and to what you've experienced, if it's like coming from that that raw, real emotion, yeah, it it comes across, and it and people can tell. So that's you can when absolutely it, tell. Yeah. Sorry, go. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Um, no, I was just gonna say, like, I think that's one of the main, like, points of, like, good wholesome conventions and, like, having good experiences because, like, I mean, um, you know, I, I try to be an advocate for mental health because of my own mental health, um, you know, my own mental issues and not as a way to draw attention to myself, but as a way to show vulnerability to, you know, to let people know it's okay to be vulnerable and that, you know, you're not going to have a good day all the time. And like, even if you're are quote unquote successful on the internet, that doesn't absolve some of the real issues you go through um, throughout life. Um, I think mm-hmm. in general, so a lot of times I'll, and a lot of times I will use tr- Twitter as a coping mechanism. And, you know, if you want to, you know, and sometimes it's annoying to people, which is fair, but sometimes, you know, people find um, comfort in the fact that, you know, they're not, you know, mental health problems can happen to anyone anywhere you know famous actors you know like i can't that i can't think of right now have mental health problems um in general you know it's it's a thing that you know i think as our society changes um and you know 
those kind of um, resources are more available publicly, which is already starting to happen. You know, same thing with um, LGBT kind of stuff as that's more that is considered more of a, more of a norm and not so much as a like an outcast themed kind of topic, I guess, if that's how you want to word it. Um, you know, it won't be such a big deal anymore, but we're not at the point, we're not at that point yet. So like, I think like to me and Kat's point, um, um, you know, normalizing it, I think is really important. And for someone who, um, particularly like a lot of their, 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 their shit has come from the fandom in general. And I think that's kind of, it's just been hard for me because you know, that this is, this is my creative space. And when, you know, um, when like you have to go through like horrible, you know, shit because of something that you do, um, versus you know like a physical situation, it's they're very different in their own different ways. But it's just harder to kind of find yourself and like you have to redefine yourself via you know your like who you are as a person versus like separate yourself from your your um your persona online, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, and I think a lot of you know why I love going to conventions besides you know making money is nice. I don't make too much money, but like you know I have I mean I I usually do like okay. But um part of the big reason um I like to go to conventions um is because you get to physically see those people that um are impacted by your work and then you're just like, "Oh, it's just not a comment in the void." You know, there's someone coming to you and saying hey i know that thing that you made helped me with x or like i used to watch like you know i watch your videos i love them thanks for being you know thanks for doing what you do and then it's just like wow there's more than just me having my own creative space on the internet it's it's helping people through um uh specific things and i think that's really really good and part of um i'll i'll say a thing uh real quick before i jump back to cap part of um you know, I, like, a couple, like, months ago, I did a video with uh, Lily Orchard, who is, um, just as a div- divisive figure by nature, just how she, um, handles ter- certain topics, but I tried to make a point to, um, you know, not really dive into that, but more, like, Lily has mental health issues, I have mental health issues, and I thought, you know, doing a collab about mental health, um, with people, with you know, with her as a um, transgender uh, person would be interesting and helpful. And, like, you know, and that's why I did it. Not so much just, like, because she's divisive and stuff. But, like, you know, I I, I admire Lily. It's not, I think it's very case-by-case, case, but I admire someone who's willing to kind of be vocal about um, spe- specific issues um, and that, you know, the whole Hardy Weinstein stuff, the whole reason why all that stuff was brought to light is because one person decided to publicly talk about it and then more people did it and more people did it. So again, it's a very case-by-case basis as far as, you know, that line and crossing that line and talking about issues publicly. And part of the reason I try to talk about um, some of my issues with just conventions or whatever publicly because it's not, things aren't going to change unless someone's able to address them and say, hey, this is not okay. And like I did something with BronyCon um, the last year is like, hey, how you're treating me is not okay, and I don't give a shit about being a community guest, but, you know, making these decisions based on, you know, lies is, is not okay, guys, and, you know, I was 
you know, punished for that and people, you know, mistook it as me being attention seeking and, you know, that's, people will see what they want to see. I tried not to be that person, but if people just want to dismiss me because, oh, I'm trying to do the thing that, trying to, to, to grind my jimmies on, you know, something, not getting what I wanted, I think, you know, whatever. But anyway, yeah. Um, so I guess, but, you know, seeing, like, when I went to a convention, there was someone who approached me that said, like, hey, I saw the lovely video that you did, and it really helped me, you know, um, you know, it helped me, you know, make the call to go to therapy. Like, you know, I don't remember what specifically she said, but I think it just, she said something along the lines of, like, oh, it really helped me. It's really nice when someone is, you know, talking about mental health publicly about like that. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. why I did it. And, like, all the comments are filled with, you know, comments like, oh, this video finally made me go to therapy. Oh, this video, like, you know, made me understand more about mental health. Oh, this video, I can, it like, even I'm not, even if I'm not going through something like this, then I can try to understand maybe my friend or my partner or someone who is going through stuff like that and um, try to emote with them that way. And, you know, I, you know, that's like why I did the video and, you know, like, you know, again, I was punished a little bit because just from the fact that I made a video with Lily, but I stand by my decision to do so because I think it helped more people than it, than, you know, it, I think, no, okay, I'm going to re-say that. It, I think it helped more people, um, and it helped a lot of people from what I could tell, and to the point where someone is commenting to me to my face saying, like, hey, that video really helped me, you know, that's, 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 that's the point, that's the goal, um, and I think it's a really, um, it's a really big responsibility for us as creators to, you know, be open about that stuff, because I think, you know, Carrie Fisher was this way before she passed, rest, rest in peace, the, the queen, um, but she was very vocal about her, um, uh, what was it, um, her board, not her borderline, um, it was, her bipolar disorder, um, and her vulnerability as a person, and I think, like, knowing that, you know, people go through all this shit, um, and not everyone gets to be as successful consistently, like Will Smith, and, you know, that kind of stuff is, like, normalizes and helps people cope, and, like, we just did a conversation, like, um, last recorded episode where we talk about how people look to superheroes to see their vulnerabilities, um, as a coping mechanism and i think you know with great power comes great responsibility so i think that's right. really important so it is definitely especially because you have an audience and you are spreading a narrative whatever you say like people will take a point out of it and i think that's especially something that writers don't really think about but like people will take something out of what you're writing so what is the message that you want to leave people with? Mm-hmm. And, although on the other hand, you, oh, sorry, who was going to say something? Oh, no, I I was just going to, like, agree with you. But yeah, keep on, keep, keep on going. <laughs> oh, no, just that. But the, and then there's also people, you know, who are like, oh, well, I don't, you know, which is also fair. Like, I don't want to, I don't care what people take out of my story, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just also like being a con, a, a, a creative is... Is a very personal thing, so you have other motivations. Mm-hmm. But I personally, I'm trying to be very careful of what I'm saying and what I'm spreading out there, especially mm-hmm. because I know you know some people like really take it to, take to heart my stories. So 
what is the message that I want to leave them with? And it's something that I think about a lot. Mm -hmm. And then just to go back to like writing about um, from what Lauren was saying about your own perspectives. I think it's always really important. This is where I feel some people uh, struggle is how to adapt it. Be and especially when you're writing fan fiction, mm -hmm. you can't like, oh, this terrible thing happened to me. Let me have this exact same thing happen to this character. Like, you have to figure out how to adapt it in a way that makes sense for the character, but is also still speaking about the problem. Mm -hmm. um, because I remember sometime I had a, uh, an experience with somebody where they wrote a story that happened to them, but they, they modified the characters to fit their story instead of modifying the story to fit their characters. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, something that uh, for writing, if you're ever going to write stories like that, you have to really think about. And consider. Mm -hmm. um, because obviously every character is very is very different. And every character will react to things in a very different way than I did. Like like even the story that I wrote about a, a emotional abuse. Characters react to it in different ways than I would. Right? Right. And. Wow, this is like a huge tangent. But this actually reminds me of uh, <laughs> one of my favorite stories about characterization. Uh, which is. When I was, um, so uh, a few years ago, I, uh, I studied in France for six months mm. and I was staying in London with uh, the friend of, with one of my mom's friends because she had like a house and so she had a little room and I could stay there. And I was staying in the third floor, which was, it had two rooms and the other room was shared by this, um, this Texan woman who was very, you know, very, very, you know, very conscious about how she looked very like fashion fashionista whatever and i remember that when you went up the stairs to this apartment to the where, where or where our rooms were there was a small little piano and i play the piano so every time i went up there i would always look at the piano and play a song right mm -hmm. and then i remember one time um we were all having dinner downstairs there was the texan woman me my mom's friend and then her husband and then the husband said to me and to the Texan woman, hey, what do you think about the fish? And the both of us were like, the what? <laughs> and he's like, the fish. Haven't you seen the fish? There's a huge fish like hanging in front of the like where you guys sleep or where the rooms are. And I was like, no, I, I only noticed the piano. And then the lady was like, oh, there's a piano. I only noticed the mirror. And I was like, there's a mirror? <laughs> and so we all realized, you know, we went up there. And in fact, there was this mirror that I had never noticed because I don't really, like, I'm not, don't put too much stock into my appearance. There's this piano that she had never noticed. And there was this massive fish hanging there that neither of us had ever noticed because that's, we don't care about fishes. <laughs> Fuck the so, fishes. It's fine. <laughs> Well, okay, you know, we care about fishes, but not about that particular fish. But that's basically a very interesting perspective, like, very interesting lesson on characters. And how every scene has to be informed by what that character thinks, how they act, what they care about. So, for example, you know, a story like the suicide, uh, the hotline story I wrote with Pinkie Pie would be a very different story if I wrote it with Rarity, or if I wrote it with Rainbow Dash, or if I wrote mm -hmm. it with everybody. So that's something that you always have to be conscious of as a writer 
And especially when you write about your own influences, your own experiences, you can't expect a character to act like how you did. Or you can't, you can find a scenario that leads to the same, the same sort of results, but it has to be catered to that character. It can't be catered to you. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know, but yeah, but that's, 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 you know, that fish story is always really fun, funny for me because like, I swear to God, I like lived there for like a week and I never saw it until he said that to me. (laughs) But I don't know why, sorry, why did I get here? Anyway, yeah, characters, it's fun. Um, characters (laughs) seeing their own worlds in different ways. That's, that's, I think how we got here. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty much also just, it's commentary on people will hold different things. Like, different people hold different things from... It's almost like art, interpreting it. You're going to get something different from different people. Some people's, well, their attention will be drawn to one thing, and other will be drawn to another thing. And they'll be like, I like that. I like this. You know, it's like, I didn't even notice that one. You know, and <laughs> yeah. then they all start talking to each other. It's it's That's literally the, the audience. Exactly. It's really, it's, just, it's really fun to take, especially when you get, when you're lucky enough to be able to communicate with your readers. It's funny to see, like, what they take away from that and what they notice and what they don't. Like, in fact, I had this, like, it's really interesting. So I was showing uh, one of my chapters of a story to a reader, to one of my friends, and it's still not finished. And I showed him the scene, and he was like, oh, wow, I really thought this would happen. And I was like, oh, that's so much better than what I currently have. And I had to, like, completely <laughs> rewrite it. And then there was another there was another time where I posted a chapter. And I was setting up something. And then somebody was like, oh, my God, I bet it's going to be this. And I was like, oh, that's actually better than what I had planned. So I had to, like, message them and be like, hey, uh, I'm going to take your idea. I hope that's okay. So thank you. Um, but that's also why I think communicating with, like, talking with a lot of other creatives, writers, and not just writers, but just even people who don't write is really important. Mm-hmm. Because as uh, Lauren was saying earlier, and even KP, collaboration brings more ideas it brings different perspectives that can uh make the story better and Mm -hmm. give it a lot more um life but yeah that was my take yeah (laughs) and i think i mean that's kind of why i'm excited about the future of the main content in general because like i was like i was gonna approach kat to be my pre-writer before she was like she came to me and she's just like hey i want to do something that's, like, contributing to things outside, like, my little cat zone. And I'm like, oh, well, I was going to ask you to be a pre-writer because everyone talks about how amazing your writing is and I need someone to, to critique me because my writing is not the best sometimes. Um, and, you know, it's also just trying to push the content to the next level. And I, you know, the majority of the scripts I write myself and um, people will leave me edits, but they're mostly edits as far as um, grammar, which doesn't really matter if I spell a word wrong, if it's if I say it correctly and it's edited correctly, like, you know, that that stuff doesn't really matter as much. But I want someone to, you know, challenge like my my points um, and make them stronger because I think that will help more people relate to the videos and have, I mean, like, collaboration is the main source of how the channel is kind of hopefully getting back on track. Please, please subscribe to the main channel. But, um, <laughs> like, like, comment, subscribe, tell your friends. But also, you know, making those points, um, you know, making those points about, you know, fiction that I want to make. And, you know, my, my big goal by the end of the year is to make it this really big Lion King video because I, 
adore the lion king it's one of my top movies and lauren's top movies too i think is fair to say um yep. so <laughs> lauren has lion king OCs. um and i want to kind of defend like break down like the history of the franchise in general and not just like focus on the live action movie because everyone doesn't like the live action movie it's very obvious like it's very obvious why the live action movie doesn't work but you know yeah. like you know i think there's been big problems with like the handling of the franchise in general even before that um you know and part of like reaching that scope of people and like advocating for things like artistic merit uh, advocating for like less popular films like i really want to see a day and age where treasure planet is like somewhat respected a little bit more than it is as a as a disney property and we're because of um the branding um, Disney is doing lately and because of the nostalgic kids, the nostalgic millennials that are growing up and saying, hey, I want this Darkwing Duck comic. Hey, I want to see um, these characters from the Disney afternoon back in the forefront somehow. And that's a lot of that influenced a lot of how the new DuckTales was made. That influenced I was we were talking about um, the Disney Arena app that just came before the podcast started where they have characters like Demona from Gargoyles and they have characters from Chippendale Rescue Rangers and they have characters from the Black Cauldron of all things. So I think like Treasure Planet redating itself and Atlantis redating itself too are just kind of um it's just a matter of more time and then if you look back historically, you know, that Sleeping Beauty didn't w- turn out too well when it was first released. Pinocchio didn't turn out too well when it was released because of the World War II economy. Fantasia did Fantasia did horribly when it first came out, but people don't remember that because they just remember like Sorcerer and Mickey just being a plethora of the parks and how you know Disney is kind of reimagining different things, and I think that's kind of the the the, the joy of having of Disney being creative and having all these assets to use like their characters for, but um, you know it's all about kind of. Defend, not only like analyzing media but also defending the un- underdog a little bit too and trying to you know and you can't do that if someone if you're just going to write a script and you know it it's hard to do it all just in your head without updating it and I think that's a lot, why a lot of people like really don't understand like my flutter chord jabs are a joke because at the end of the day just chord is a character like everyone else in the yeah. show and a lot of times it's going to depend on your interpretation on Discord. And I can argue um, day and night why Fluttercord doesn't work. But it's not going to matter if you interpret Discord um, as a character differently. And I'm sure Mono could do the same thing with Rarity, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it just kind of, a lot of this just depends. Like, like you know, collaboration is great, essentially, is the, is the, the plethora of this, and you know. I'm seeing, like, I mean, I've seen it all, all the time, but, you know, not, not a lot of people know about it. Like, the team, like, we have meetings on Fridays, and everyone's just critiquing each other's work, and that's just making the the product better. And sometimes people are just like, man, KT is just, like, using all these people, and she's just not paying them. And I'm just like, no, shut up. They're getting something out of it. And you don't know better than the people that are making these choices, and they're not, they're not your choices to make. Um, yeah. You know, but um, I guess... I'll, I'll I'll shut up too. So I guess we'll end with um with Kat. Um, like, what is your defense for writing fan fiction versus regular fiction? And what you, what do you think? Um, I mean, touching what we already talked about, but what do you think are some good 
advice um, tips for people that want to start writing fan fiction and they don't know where to start or they don't know how to start or you know they're, maybe they're young and they're just kind of afraid of their, that that kind of feedback that is inevitable like what is your what is your advice slash opinion on those two things well um so i think the debate between fan fiction and original fiction is a it's a complicated one mm-hmm. because i don't think one is better than the other um there's and in fact a lot of stuff going on right now is fan fiction like all of these remakes are fan fiction yeah like essentially let's not even it is fan fiction i think obviously when you do original stuff you have the benefit that it's original so you can like if if you're like it's yours completely you can you you say the rules you say what you want and it's something that you can hmm Honestly, my the thing is, I kind of want to say, fan fiction isn't unoriginal. It's not. It's sure you're using concepts that have existed that already exist, but to say it's not original is a dis- is a disservice. I would say more like the difference between fan using characters that exist and characters that don't exist. So, like, if you use characters that exist, you have to be really creative in how you, you know, how what you bring to the table, how you use them. Original, you have to figure out everything yourself. You have to, you know, make the characters really strong yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think both help you practice different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and for example, I know that I'm trying to break out into fan fiction. Sorry, no, not break out. I'm trying to break into original fiction. Um, and which I feel eventually ends up being like a natural progression. People start with fan fiction and then they go towards original fiction. Mm-hmm. Unless, but then again, you go to the industry, you go to like the film industry and you're back to fan fiction in a lot of cases. So uh, I think they're just both different. They complement each other. Like you can learn things from one that you can't learn in the other. You can, if you just do original stuff, maybe you won't really understand, like, how to understand it. Like, if you only do original stuff and you don't have a really strong sense of, oh, how do I make this character always be like this? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, like, that wasn't really eloquently phrased, but you get me. That <laughs> yeah, You really yeah. won't get that. Although on original fiction, you know, in fan fiction, an issue is that maybe you become too reliant on everybody knowing what's mm-hmm. going on. So you... You maybe you lack build up in that respect, mm-hmm. which is why actually alternate universes are really good because alternate universes force you to treat it as if it was original fiction, but it's not. But they you like the way you write it, it forces you to think of it as if it is. Mm-hmm. Um, because for example, if we do Harry Potter in space, then I have to reintroduce Harry Potter, so it's forcing me to like oh, it's forcing me to practice reintroducing a character, and like building him up. Um. And then I guess for just people starting out, honestly, like as we've said multiple times in, during the podcast, is just do it because you love it. Do it because it's the passion that you want. I want to say don't listen too much to critique at first. Like listen to critique, but don't, don't be discouraged. It. Don't be discouraged by it. Yeah. Um. There is, there is, um, I think there is an advantage to be had of hug boxes. I know fanfiction.net was criticized, is very heavily criticized for being a hug box. 
but uh, when you're starting out, it's not, you know, you need the encouragement. You need mm-hmm. people to say like, hey, this is good. Can you give me more? Because that encourages you to keep writing and to keep getting better. And But yeah, basically, don't get discouraged if you have bad critique. Uh, and surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with people that want you to improve. Mm-hmm. Or that, you know, that support you, I think, would be the biggest thing. And then as for where you're writing, you know, just like just li- genuinely write what you want because there will always be an audience for what you want. I remember when I started writing uh, for Rarity and Twilight, there was nobody. It was like a few fics getting posted. It was like 10 people who really liked them. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just write for these 10 people. And now there's a frick ton more because as I think it was Lauren who said it, um, passion will bring more passion. Mm-hmm. And you willed it into you- existence. Yeah, but Lauren had a like. You have a really good quote. Uh, what was it? If you build it, they will come. It was exactly. Like, <laughs> that's a movie quote, but yeah, I I just think it's still relevant. <laughs> it is very relevant. If you build it sincerely and honestly, and if it's something that you like, it will bleed through. It will have heart. Oh wait, dang it! Can I have one last anecdote? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is going back from something Lauren said. Oh. About about how you mentioned that it'll like if if something has your heart it'll bleed through. Mm-hmm. So there was one time um, where I was like, oh no, you know, I must be a bad writer because I only write this one thing. So I so I said I'm going to force myself to write something that I this thing. I'm going to force myself to write something different. So I wrote this story with these characters that I wasn't really into, and I remember I showed it to a friend. And he read it and he said, well, it's it's good. And I was like, yeah, but? And he's like, well, it's good. I mean, it's te- technically speaking, it's good. The, de- the dialogue is right. It's a good story. And I was like, okay, there's a but here. What's the but? And he says, well, this isn't you. Like, mm. I don't see you in this. I don't, like, I don't feel your heart being in any part of this. It's a good story because you're a good writer. So it will always be, it's not, it's going to be good, but it's not you. And that for me was like a massive, like kind of wake up call. Especially when it comes to like, oh, I'm just going to do stuff that I think will get me views. Right. Because the idea is like, sure, I could like write these things that I'm sure will get me tons of views and tons of comments. But is that really what I want to be spending my time on? Is that like, I'd rather be known for some, I'd rather have less followers but for something I love than have a bajillion for something I don't feel passionate about. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I think definitely that would be my, like, if, if you're starting out with fanfiction, then, you know, just try to understand the characters. Or you, honestly, even if you don't really get them, as long as you have, as long as you have an in- interesting interpretation that's a, that, that is sort of them, but it's interesting, then, you know, just go wild. Like, honestly, just create, write. And don't be free. And again, don't get discouraged and get editors. <laughs> and, and, and if your editors are nice, and obviously you're doing this for free, but always appreciate your editors because they put up with you and you should always love them. And 
And yeah, I'm like, I'm honestly, they're like, honest. There's sometimes where I'm like, I'm, I'm still shocked on the my- phone, mom. Okay. Anyway, continue. There's sometimes I'm shocked that my editors put up with me because like, they'll be like, yeah, the scene is wrong. And I'll be like, whine at them for 50 hours because I don't want to rewrite. And yet they're still there helping me. So God bless the editors. They really like, they help, they help you put the things where the things should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can focus on the part that you're good at as far as the content making. Like, I always kind of explain it when people are like, why do you have a team of people? Do you need a team of people to help you make this this content that, like, I would not assume there would be a team of people behind unless, like, you look at the big projects that I'm doing? And I'm just like, yes, because I can streamline my my creative process and I can just worry about writing and I can worry about recording my audio and then I'm uh, doing the creative directing and then everything else is just... Like, you know, and I can write like things, I can do things like write multiple scripts and give those to multiple people. And and then they're all being done at the same time. Like, that's just like something I can do by myself. So it's just like, it's also comes down to like having other people just helps make the creative process easier because, you know, you can kind of focus on the things like that you can only do like I can only be KP I'm like you know someone could write my script I guess for sure but no one could like do my audio for me obviously I mean you know we can we can have Lauren pretend to be me one day and just like try to like auto-tune her to be like my voice or you know whatever but (laughs) um you know it help it, it makes it easier for me because then I can focus on the grander picture and that's kind of something I've learned about myself through all this is that you know, I'm a big picture kind of person, and so, like, like one of the things that scares me about being in a studio, if I ever get there, is I can't be big picture because you have to, like, work your way up to do that. But, like, on the internet, I can just do whatever the hell I want, and I can, you know, direct my own projects if I find people that are willing to put up with my shit. So, um, you know, I think it, I think people have to look at it that way too. Like same thing with convention staff. Like you can, one person can't physically do a convention, um, but you know by having different departments that focus on different things, there can be a greater whole to the end product than just one person doing something by themselves. So right. Um, so yeah, basically just be grateful of the people helping you, and also be kind with yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. You're not going to be perfect. You're still not going to be perfect. But, you know, learning, I think learning how to take criticism and seeking out criticism because some people might not know you exist. But so like finding like the Discord servers that are about, you know, the specific thing you're doing and, you know, actively saying, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing and like finishing things too will also is like your number one, um, your number one point um, to give yourself credibility so people can like, you know, um, know that you, you're starting what you're finished because it's hard to, again, invest in something that you're not sure is going to get finished. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think those are the very baby steps. And then you get on to the bigger steps as far as like, and obviously reading other people's fiction and, you know, learning from that is also super important. important. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're good. I think this is a good point to end on. So Kat, you want to, you want to plug yourself? Like where can people find your, your stuff if they, so seek it. Uh, they can find me on Fim Fiction. Just Google Monochromatic and Fim Fiction. That's where I post most of my stories. And I also recently opened a Twitter. Uh, though I don't know if I would recommend following me there unless you really want to like listen to me talk about my rare toy stories all the time. 
So, <laughs> so be ready for that. They're really funny. I like, I'm, I'm like, I make hilarious tweets, but just be ready for that. And also, oh, wait, my finger. And also me talking hysterically about Donald Duck and why I have thoughts on the new DuckTales. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll have a new episode about that, of, of, like, the history of Donald Duck, and then Kat's just talking about an hour, and just like, let me tell you about the duck. So, uh, But yeah, that's where I have, and that's basically it. Okay, um, for our regular plugs, um, you know, hopefully by this recording we'll get our stupid freaking um, promotional pieces done so we can start actually promoting people So um, on things, so that has all the social media, but like, um, for people, I guess, who's new, who are, who are new, we release episodes every Wednesday, um, 6 a.m. Eastern on SoundCloud or Spotify or iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. And then the the video versions um, will be are uploaded on YouTube at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time if YouTube is easier for you, if we don't forget or we don't have any technical problems, which happens sometimes. Um, yeah, you know, just tune in Wednesdays in the mornings and pretty much in the evenings so <laughs> yeah i mean it doesn't really deal. matter we it doesn't really matter where you go but those are just all the avenues so even if you're just like i don't know a podcast i'm just like well, you go on youtube and press the button you got it you got it so um and then obviously subscribe to our main i love kim possible lot channel and tell your friend and turn your notifications on because that helps us a lot because we're trying to obviously grow right now and um you know, we're starting, you know, like, we started to grow a little bit, uh, and I'm just like, please, please don't die. I'd like to, like, grow more than just in the, um, the, the, I've been in the 120,000 range for, like, not that I'm, like, ungrateful for that, but, like, I'm just, like, I've been in that range for, like, a couple of years now, and I want to, like, expand just so we can expand our passions not so much, like, unlimited power, <laughs> So, um, yeah, tell your friends, please, about podcasts and stuff, and we'll see you um, next week. And, you know, all the podcasts are on those places if you're new and from, probably from Kat's stuff and you want to listen to the other episodes, highly recommend. We're, we're funny, I think, sometimes. So. And interact with us on the ye old Twitters. Ye old Twitter. I, I, I um, me and a team member, and Lauren, well, Lauren, I don't think Lauren's tweeted a while, but like me and a team member run the Twitter, and I'm, I, I think I'm, I do funny tweets, so, you know, and no one knows their, their mind for the most part, unless it's like art that I did and I posted it, but, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll respond to you on, on Twitter, um, you know, fan art is cool if you feel like it, you know, but obviously up to the, up to your discretion. <laughs> and well, thank you guys for having me. I really oh, appreciate it. Thank you for yeah, joining thanks. us, Kat. Yeah, this was good. I think we had some good creative discussion. So, um, anyone, anyway, bye, everyone. I guess we'll see you next week. Um, please come back. We don't bite. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. We are really hoping this show makes a difference in how people view animation and media as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like or want to join the animation or media industry. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe and rate those five stars, as well as tell your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our main YouTube channel, I Love Kim Possible A Lot, and turn those notifications on. My name is Scribbler, and you have been listening to Animation Communication. Animation Communication